Are you in a leadership role trying to figure out how to convince others to change their mind? Have you ever wondered why is leading and influencing others so darn hard? Are you looking for practical answers to these two vital questions? If so, welcome to my podcast, Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. I'm your host, Denise Cooper, and I am a storyteller. I interview thought leaders and people just like you who are learning and practicing the art and expanding on the science of leadership. Listen as my guests and I talk about what it takes to be a remarkable leader in the 21st century. Leadership, it's a skill that all of us talk about and there are millions of books on how to be a better leader, how to become a leader. But most of it, I think, is written for a time that may not exist anymore. If that's true, then what are the essential skills that one needs to be a great leader, to influence others, to help guide them so that we are working together as a team, as a unit, for a common good? Well, my guest today is Nancy Appleman-Vasser. And one of the things that Nancy and I have been talking about is what are the few skills that it takes to be an effective leader? And we think storytelling is one of them. Nancy is the founder and CEO of APLS Group. She additionally has the aptitude for leadership development projects in which she supports high potential leaders, new managers, and experienced managers to understand the importance and successful interpersonal skills and how to increase their overall effectiveness within the organization. Nancy is also the president of the Carolina Association of the National Speakers Association, where she works tirelessly to help other speakers and trainers to become the best that they can be. I am so honored to have Nancy on my show today to share with you her wisdom and experience on what has changed in developing leaders and what we must look forward to in the future. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone who is listening. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for you coming and calling in and listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. We are on the C-Suite Network, the largest network in the United States dedicated to the growth and development of leaders. With Today, we are going to talk specifically about one leadership skill that is becoming crucial for leaders who want to be remarkable. And that is around storytelling. Leaders, we've been doing leadership development pretty much the same for the last 30, maybe 40, maybe even longer years. And it's really been focused on the acquisition of knowledge. But we know that performance is really measured by the application of knowledge and that the value that you deliver to the organization is in what you do, but it starts from where you are and being the kind of leader who is willing to share how they did it and allow their employees to learn from that, put their twist on it, and then do better. So today, when we're talking about closing the gap, what we're talking about is taking one specific skill, communication, and how to empower that and move it forward. My guest today is Nancy Appleman-Vasso, and she is the chapter president for the Carolina's chapter of the National Speakers Association, but she also has her own business and has been in business for quite a few years, delivering training and content to organizations where they are trying to figure out ways in which they can add behavioral um, techniques and the application of knowledge so that leaders are better leaders in the moment. 
So I'm fascinated to talk to her about the importance of storytelling and communication and why, why, why now? Why do we need stories now? So with that, Nancy, how's it going? It's going great, Denise. I'm so excited to be joining you today and on this topic, which is a very important topic, as you've already identified, not only now, but in the future as well. Yeah, I think so. I think so. And so let's kind of dive in on, you know, you've been in this business of developing leaders and offering training and coaching for leadership development for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Looking back and looking forward, what do you see as things that we've done in the past that we might not do in the future? And why haven't we gotten better at developing leaders? Because if you read the statistics, you know, CEOs are really worried about their leadership pipeline. And we spend, you know, something like $61 billion on developing leaders. And yet we still are asking this question. It seems like a pipeline issue to me. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Like I was thinking as you were saying that, like I've been, I've had my own business now and it will almost be 21 years. Mm-hmm. I was in both the private and also the nonprofit arena. And it's always the same thing. Like, you know, the years go by and it's like our pipeline, our pipeline, our pipeline. And so one of the things that I think has been a challenge that we've been doing wrong, if we want to use that term, is that training leaders has been a check mark. Mm. I think it's also that we look at an identified pool and we say, wow, that person was great doing that project, doing that task, doing that event. And we say, let's get them into management. Mm-hmm. Look at what I, you and I have talked about before, which is that holistic approach, which is yeah. not only do you have the technical skills, but you have to have the people skills as well. Yeah. With each other, do you now do you understand that your people are not a one size fits all? And so I think what's different today is that with this pandemic that has taken place, what I thought was a situation for the that was only going to last for about nine weeks. That because people have been physically distanced and the whole model of what does the workplace mean, yeah. leaders now need to be even more engaging and connecting and giving people a sense of belonging. And to your point about this topic, it's all about storytelling. Mm-hmm. It feel like they're in it. How do we need to change going forward? I mean, if and we don't have to change everything, you know, because it's not about throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Right. But it is about building upon what we've learned in the past to do better in the future. That's mm-hmm. how we're going to close the gap. So mm-hmm. what exactly, if you had to have one or two things, what does that look like? What do we need to do? Yeah, so to me, and I know I'm speaking to the choir with you and, and probably a lot of the people that are listening to this, is that we think of training as the fix-it, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, okay, let's do some training. What we don't do, and you said it really well, is you know we do well with the acquiring of the information, but not with the application. Yeah. And to me, part of the application is giving people a coach. Mm-hmm. Listen to this, whatever the academy is, the training is, the series is, whatever the organization's calling it. And then you have somebody who's either a mentor or a coach that stays along with them for a period of time. And I and I don't think it's just for new leaders. Yeah. I think it's for the leaders that have been around for a while. Right. Because they get stuck in their ways of what they're doing and it's not necessarily not as effective. So providing coaching, I think, is really, really important, which of course ties into feedback. 
Yeah. And that's, that's what I was going to say is, you know, the, the, one of the most valuable skills that coaches can do is to help you understand the impact of your stories, impact of your words, yeah. how it's coming across to a variety of people who may, who are not like you, because, right. you know, when it really boils down to it, we're not alike with each other. We have similar experiences, but our experiences, our lived experiences teaches us very different things. Right. And so, you know, I, I used to shake my head all the time when I heard people say, you know, leaders get up and say, we've got a problem and we've got to keep going. And they'd say, well, we don't have enough resources, Well, we're just going to have to learn how to fly this plane while we're building, build this plane while we're flying it. And all I can think of is that is a recipe for disaster. That plane is going down. Absolutely. You know, you cannot fix a wing in the air. There's a reason why pilots learn how to land a plane when it's in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. That's right. It was one of those comments that's just, did you hear what came out of your mouth? Are you aware? Because most people are unaware of their behavior and the impact that it has. Like you'll hear somebody say, well, what did I say? Mm-hmm. And then when you feed it back to them, they find out, oh, I said that. Yeah. And I said it in that way because yeah. it's the inflection of the voice and the tone of the voice and yeah. all those kinds of pieces. Yeah. yeah. You know, I have I have this saying, Denise, it's called you can pay now or pay later. Mm-hmm. And it's always more expensive when you pay later. Mm-hmm. And if it's on clearance. Mm-hmm. Because clearance is the bottom of the barrel, right? Mm-hmm. They couldn't sell the product, so they put it on clearance. And you watch how it goes 25%, 50%, 75%. And we'll give it to you for a dollar. Yes. And, with, and how it applies to leaders is that if you don't stop when you have that problem with the, with the wing, you're going to have a larger problem. And it may not be the project, per se, or the task that's being done, but it could be in the form of retention. Mm-hmm. and people's willingness to engage mm-hmm. and people's interest in still being part of either your part of the organization or the organization as a whole. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one, my, one of my previous podcasts was with Michael Levitt and he talks about burnout. Yeah. One of the problems of burnout is, is that we're in this go, 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 get everything done, get everything done, get everything done. And I think this mindset from that we taught leaders for many years that, you know, you, you can get everything done and you got to, you know, figure out how to be persuasive and inspirational and then people will fill in the blanks. I think we're now we're coming to a point, particularly in behavioral science and emotional intelligence, we are now understanding that that is not a good way to lead. We have to what people need is prioritization. Which mm-hmm. means, but you know, you can't have ten priorities. There's one priority. That's why it's called priority, right? And that one priority should be: how do we, uh, how do I contribute to the development of and the the ac- application and bringing to life the vision of the company. And and that's the one thing that we really should be asking employees to do. Here, you know, what does that mean? That's mm-hmm. how we set goals. Mm-hmm. That's how we set objectives. Here's mm-hmm. the objective. We want great customer service. We want our customers to come back. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so be really clear about those things so that people can self-select what work to work on. And then we can set the bar at what else is going on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think of the analogy that I use a lot is what kind of house do you want to build? Yeah. 
and what's the foundation of a floor? Yeah. You know, and how sturdy is it? And what yeah. about the walls? And what about your character? Mm-hmm. What about your habits? Mm-hmm. What's your destiny based on how you present yourself? Yeah. I, I was laughing a little bit when you were talking about that can't be, you know, there's one priority. And I absolutely agree. I was just teaching a class yesterday, Seven Habits. Yes. And they talk about, you know, the time matrix. And of course, I said to the participants, so you need to have a conversation with your boss because your boss is going to tell you that everything is urgent. Everything has to be ha- happen today. And then you have to like pull the rope that says or pull the cur- curtain and say, you know what? I can't do 10 things well. It's like, what do we say about multitasking? It's yeah. really half tasking and yeah. now they're calling it switch tasking. Mm-hmm. 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 You know, even though you think when, you, when we say we're busy, yeah, he doesn't mean effectiveness. Yeah. And, and that's so and that is that's, that's important because right. what is it that you want managers effectiveness right. or do you want people to half task half complete which is mm-hmm. what you're really saying half mm-hmm. do right that all of the things that are on that list again the you know I always say one of the you know if you're in the leadership so if you've got the job and leader is on your title mm-hmm. you only have four things that you have to do right set a vision uh huh prioritize and delegate, mm-hmm. follow up and ensure follow through. That's pretty much it. Yep. And you know that that takes people skills. Yes. And, and so, you know, you mentioned that before, and I think a lot of people talk about people skills. So let's break that down because mm-hmm. I think, you know, that's, it's become that term. Oh, you need people skills. Everybody's eyes roll over and their ears shut <laughs> down. I really do think that it's like, oh my God, you guys. Are. Mm-hmm. So I, I really want us to, to pull that back because there is some intentionality under people skills yeah. that I don't think people talk about, and it has to do with the storytelling. Yeah, and and for me, well, before I tell what it means for me, pull it back a little bit. When we say, when you say people skills, mm-hmm. what are you really talking about? So for it's it's multiple things for me. So number one is as a, having a training and consulting organization, I get a lot of calls that say, do you do soft skills? Yeah. And I say, no, I don't. What I do are the necessary skills to complement the technical skills, because you can have the best technical skills in the world, but if you don't know how to interact with each other, yeah. how to understand each other, build upon the differences that you may have to be able to move the project or the, or the vision forward, then you're not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's self-awareness. Mm-hmm. I mentioned EQ earlier, right? Emotional intelligence. And I firmly believe in it. I teach it as well. But I think that it all starts with self. Yeah. You know, the use of self is the instrument. So the more that I understand myself and the way I react to things or the what I believe in, what I value, and I'm able to communicate that with you, and I'm able to listen more than I can talk, Mm-hmm. I need to learn how to zip my lip. Mm. I really listen to my people. You know, there's. I learned this from a colleague. There's a reason why we have two ears and one mouth. We're supposed to listen more than we talk. But most people don't really listen. They hear. Yeah. They hear it. They don't take it in. They don't digest it. They do what we call passive listening yeah. as opposed to active listening or global listening, which yeah. is really getting the rest of it. So to me, that's the people side. Yeah. That as a leader, 
I need to understand that we're, you're not a one size fits all. Yep. That you have certain talents and skills, and I need to use those, not abuse them, but I need to use them and capitalize on them. Yep. I need to discover what else you are interested in so that I can develop you so that, you know, because our goal is not to have a revolving door and that I want you to be part of the organization for a, for a long time, right? Yeah, yeah. And so there are a couple things in that that I really want to highlight for my audience here. One is the intentionality of the leader. Yes. To yeah. understand that they are the instrument is what I heard. They yeah. are the instrument of the leadership. It is not their knowledge. It is their full body. It is how they communicate and how they um, engage other individuals. Yeah. The other thing I heard that was really important was listening. This yeah. idea of there's a difference between hearing what people say and actually listening to what has been said. Right. And I think too often, again, back to words, back to stories, back to the way we were doing things. We often, you hear listen and people go immediately to, I heard you, mm-hmm. but we didn't hear. Mm-hmm. We, I mean, that's not the goal. We should be right. hearing is my interpretation of what you said. Listening is understanding and sharing a meaning from what you said and what you did. Yeah. And I think the third thing that was really insightful to me from what you said is that the idea that we have to be intentional about our values, our beliefs, and the goals that we have for our, our the people that we are entrusted, and we are here to build the capacity in them and the capacity in the organization to be able to do more that serves our customers and in turn builds our business financials. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if I go back to your first question mm-hmm. of the podcast where you were saying, you know, what do, what have we been doing wrong? Yep. You know, to what we, that to me is the big piece. Yeah. Is that leadership 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, whatever, was do as I say, mm-hmm. here's what you need to do, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And now we're in a world that's very diverse and multi-talented mm-hmm. and have different needs, mm-hmm. and people want to feel like they're part of. Mm-hmm. So don't ask me to be somebody I'm not. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me to conform to certain things because that's not the way I am. So yeah. as a leader, I really have to get to know my people. We don't have to be best of friends. Right. I always like to say, I don't have to love you. I don't even have to like you. We just have to figure out how we're going to work together. Yes. Yeah. But I need to come in there with an open mind. So if you're if you approach something differently, that's great. Because if it's going to get us where we need to go, I think that's real important. Yeah. And mine, you know, ultimately. You know, the thing that we have now is that we we talk about in diversity and inclusion is, you know, the problem is, is that we hire people who are just like us. Right. But and so when you said love and like, yeah, I don't have to love and like you, but I have to be able to trust you. Yes. And I think we have to raise that idea of trust Mm -hmm. is that you may not do what I would do Mm -hmm. per se. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But I trust that the end result is going to be that. The other thing I think that we don't talk enough about is, you know, 30 years ago, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, our organizations were not as flat and lean as they are now. Right. Right. And when they weren't <laughs> that way, we could ask the, the leader to be more of an expert in their particular area. Right. Whereas now information is coming in so fast, new ideas are hitting us, new ways of thinking about things are hitting right. us so much that one person can't be the funnel 
on all ideas. Mm -hmm. And so I think those ideas from a, just how do I run my business? How am I a leader have Mm -hmm. come and those pressures have come into play. So it's not just the old, I don't want people, you know, the old command and control Mm -hmm. ideas that you talked about, but it's also, we built organizations that don't allow for the command and control to actually work anymore. And no one's really talking about that mm-hmm. in open airs. Now, we're talking about it behind closed doors. Mm-hmm. But we yes, really ma'am. need to examine that because, mm-hmm. you know, I was on the podcast for Leader, Leadership Global yesterday, and we were talking about how, you know, the CEO will say, hey, we've got to hit this. We want diversity and inclusion to be part of where we're going. We want to have different ideas. We want to have people with different experiences, which is all great. But he has an exist, he or she has an existing business mm-hmm. with people already in there. Mm-hmm. When they hear that, it sounds like they're not good enough anymore. Right. And then it goes down the budget cycle, comes up, and finance, who's put a cap on, well, you know, you got to, you can't spend any more than you spent last year. <laughs> <laughs> and you need a, to, to, to make that happen with the CEO said, I need some extra people. I need to bring in one or two people. Right. Now you're locked. What do you do as a leader? And so we're not having these conversations mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. we flatten the organization. How are we going to do this? Because we can't do it the way we used to. And we can't depend on turnover because mm-hmm. what we need is people who have the experience to do the business. Right. <laughs> right. And put the cherry on top. Yes. The cherry on top is, is that the business is shifting almost every day. Yeah. So whatever you're putting into place or thinking about putting into place, you have to be expansive and innovative in terms of the fact that that may not be what what it looks like a month from now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that flexibility and adaptability. Can't do it from the old way of thinking, command and control, but the old way in which we had jobs that allowed for cushions for failure, for processes, for all of these things. All of that's been wiped out in the new businesses. We're all running lean and particularly you know, if if you're a new business owner, someone who's considering jumping out, you know, those first five years, I don't know if you remember them, but Lord have mercy, have I got a stamp on my back. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. About yeah. those first five years, oh, where yeah. the only way you succeed is you've got to find a network of people who are there to help fill in with ideas and processes, tried and true things that they did, where you can sift it through your brain and say, okay, well, I'm going to try this and Mm -hmm. know that it isn't going to work on the first time. That is probably the toughest thing for new leaders and new business owners. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that in my experience, when I was at the nonprofit, the National Training Labs Institute for Behavioral Sciences, we were really grateful we could just say NTL Institute because mm-hmm. the title was quite long. We would get a lot of phone calls with folks that had just become a leader yeah. in the previous, in the you know last 12 months, and they had just had their first performance review, and they yeah. were told, you need to call NTL. They've got some great training around people skills, learning more about the use of self as the instrument of change and how to give and receive feedback and listening skills and all those kinds of things before it was very popular in the open marketplace. And and that is because we do it based on what we see as the, the, the task. The other thing that I think of as we've been having this conversation is like, well, so what's the tie-in to storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. So the tie-in to storytelling is that as a leader, 
if I have a mentor, if I have a coach, that person is being able to share stories and having me as, let's say, the learner understand what stories I have. Right. And I can then share with my folks as well. And, you know, we, you and I are both in with NSA Carolinas, uh, the National Speakers Association. And, you know, we are constantly learning that the new way presenting is all about storytelling. Yeah. It's all about the slides not being the words with the bullets and the paragraphs. It's all about the picture. Yeah. You know, the picture, the image that gives you that thing. That's what I think today's workforce is looking for because of the internet. We keep hearing about the value of storytelling. I think part of that for me is about that then it makes us having like a fireside chat. Mm -hmm. I'm sharing a story. I'm talking from my heart and my Mm -hmm. head combination. Mm -hmm. And then when I use slides, I'm using images. It's longer, the bullet points and the words and so forth. And I think that's a change. Yeah. That's a behavior change because it's requiring that I do some things differently, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's what people are wanting more. We're living in an eight to 12 second world. If you don't yeah. get the hello, that's it. Yeah. Right? Yep. And it's so- a, that, first, that first impression. And it's driven by, you know, we have so much coming at us at one time. And we don't have enough time to breathe and then pause and then stop to catch the next thought to catch up with people. I mean, how many times have, you know, I don't know about you, but I start my my workshops with, okay, guys, let's breathe first. Let's get present here. I know you've got 15 things you need to do. And so I, I make the content such that it's really only 45 minutes worth of content because I need people to have 10 to 15 minutes. And that's based on research to just bring themselves into the meeting, to let go of whatever the meeting was before, all the issues that are pounding them right at that moment, have them breathe, have them focus on, talk about what they want to get out of it. And then we can start with content delivery and, and then practicing how they're going to change their behavior so that they're better leaders, more effective leaders mm-hmm. in the future after they get out of the program. Yeah. And I love what you say about practice because I'm all about experiential learning. Yes. And it's not because you can Google and Bing and all those other things to find out pieces of information. Like I even a lot of times say to people, I'm not going to introduce the person that's talking with me here. You can Google their name and find out everything you need to know. I want to share with you how I know this person. Yeah. So I'm very much into that relationship, experiential learning. Mm -hmm. Because that's when I think people change behavior. Yes. They're in it, whether it's a simulation, whether it's a a coaching session, whether it's a game that we're playing, or it's just answering five questions and we're talking to a partner about that. Mm Mm-hmm. And are you getting an aha from this? Is there one thing that you can put into your tool belt that's going to help you become more effective as a leader? And I also believe, Denise, that we are all leaders. Mm-hmm. We may not be a leader of that organization or that department, but we're a leader in our home. We're a leader yeah. in our community. We're a yeah. leader when we take a stance about something, when we yeah. stand up for something, yeah. we're a leader in our own way. And people want stories. Yeah. And, and it's, it's interesting because I think right now, one of the things that many business people are concerned with is the fact that what we're seeing is, is women getting out of the workforce. They're making different choices. Yes. And the last piece that you talked about is, is that we're leaders, if, no, if for no one else, then for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we get credit and we tell people that you do have 
a, a role. I don't care who you are. It doesn't matter about race, gender, ethnicity, religion, whatever it is. Choice and the responsibilities around your choice are your responsibility. You are accountable for those. You can choose to give them away and allow someone else to dictate what you do, mm -hmm. or you can take a stand and say that what's important for me is that I bring value and that I leave a legacy or a reputation mm -hmm. that says I am a person of these values. And mm -hmm. I think that that is the one, one of the things that I am happy to see that many of the newer leadership development programs are, are pausing people to say, what do you stand for? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where, where in your values and living your values are the edges? Mm. Nice. You know, and nice. so, and when, and when do you, you know, what's your reaction mm -hmm. as you get closer and closer to your edges? Because generally that's where we get more and more triggered and disturbed and we either, you know, begin to fight, we begin to run away or we begin to hide. Mm -hmm. And it lessens us if we don't know and understand and can't have conversation, tell stories of how that impacted me, how it's impacting others so that the person who is causing you to feel like your your edges are coming in. Mm. understands the impact of their words, the impact of what they're telling you, their mm -hmm. impact of their communication. Mm -hmm. And you know what, what it leads me to think about is I have a program called Mastering the Art of Difficult Conversations. Oh, good. Our ability to be able to say what's that story in our head, yes. right, that says this is the impact that that has when you say this or when you do this, here's what I begin to feel. Here's yes. what my experience is and hear and do more than hear me out mm -hmm. listen right mm -hmm. listen to it understand where i'm at mm -hmm. be able to paraphrase back to me what you heard me say so that we make sure that we're on the same page yeah we can walk out of that conversation agreeing to disagree but at least we really have listened to each other yeah the other thing that you said that I, I really resonated with me was this whole thing about you know women right women in the workplace and i was doing some googling last night and they're saying nine percent decrease in the number of women in the workforce since the pandemic started and then i think about my days when i used to do career counseling mm -hmm. decided to stay home the choice that they made to stay home with their children for up to a certain age and then saying how am i going to get back in the workplace i don't have i got, I got a gap yeah yeah they're working on a project for five years. Yeah. So helping them understand that our skills and our stories and our abilities do tie into it's about how do I connect it in a way that that I and it's about selling ourselves, isn't it? Not yeah. in a bad way, but it's about through our experiences, through our stories, being able to share how we might be a good fit yeah. for this project, for this event, for this whatever. Yeah, and fit is like a puzzle, you know? Each of us is, is a have different edges, and we have to find a way in which those puzzle pieces fit. The other thing I love what you just said is, is that oftentimes we allow other people to decide what value means. And so if we don't value the time, if we feel like we have to hide or not be proud of the fact that we chose to take time out of the workplace to mm -hmm. care for someone else, then no one else will. Exactly. And that that is unfortunately a good place for us to stop 
Um, because this has been a rocking conversation, Nancy. <laughs> I love you, I Thank you, thank you, thank you for the opportunity for us to just explore and, and engage in conversation uh, about things that are really, really important that we yeah. both value, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the part of it that's, that's very warming to my heart. Yeah. Well. well, how can people get a hold of you? So you can get a hold of me through my website, ablsgroup.com. That's Apple, Paul, Linda, Sam, Group. Dot com mm-hmm. and you can check me out on LinkedIn. It's Nancy with an I. If you try a Y, it won't happen. So it's <laughs> Nancy with an I. Appleman Vassal would love to connect, and I really look forward to continuing the conversation, as you say. Thank you, thank you. We'll have to plan a date out in the future to come back and see how how things have changed since we had this conversation, which is all about how do we close the gap? How do you set your goals for today on what tomorrow is going to look like and what small steps that you can take every day so that you're going to close the gap between what it is you desire to what you actually get. You've been listening to Closing the Gap with Denise Cooper. My guest today is Nancy appleman Vassell, and she is fabulous. You can learn more again by going to her website at aplsgroup.com, as well as if you're interested in exploring conversations where you can bring her organization in to help you build your leadership pipeline or reinvent your current leadership strategy so it's one that you can measure and see the outcomes that you desire in building a pipeline of great leaders. With that, you know know what I always say. Please, please, please give me some love. Go to Apple, hit like, hit the reviews, tell them five stars. And if you so choose, share what you got out of this particular podcast, as well as look forward to next week's podcast. It'll be out on Thursday. You know the drill. See ya. Hey, that's a wrap. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for listening to this podcast. Please leave comments below. I'd love to know what you're thinking. If you liked it, share it. If you didn't like it, share it, because I guarantee it's going to start a conversation that will help you close the gap. I want to thank the C-Suite Radio Network for hosting my podcast. It is the largest network dedicated to the growth and development of leaders worldwide. I'd also like to thank Ivan G. Hall for the music that you are currently enjoying. Hey, check him out. He's really a great musician. And finally, I have two other requests. One is, please, please, please leave a review on this, either on Apple or Google or wherever you get your podcasts. And the other is, don't forget, please look up my book, Remarkable Leadership Lessons, Change Results, One Conversation at a Time. It's available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble in paperback, as well as Kindle versions. And with that, it's a wrap. Talk to you next week. Bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.